Welcome to the No Pixel Dark Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. We have a special show for you today. It's part one of two. I'm so excited to talk with my guest coming up. Have you heard of the name of Chris Simon? Do you know who he is? You might have seen him, you know, you know, at Art Bazell. You might have seen him in Miami. You might have seen him in Baltimore, walking around, doing his thing. You might have even seen him at a couple of his, his big-time restaurant, Black Swan. But who is Chris? talk about that when we get back out these messages btst services hallways may be silent but btst has not been btst services continues to provide quality care to our clients through our user-friendly telehealth services we are committed to ensuring our clients are getting the mental care they deserve. BTST Services provides on-site and off-site therapy, psychiatry, psychiatric rehabilitation, and mentoring services. If you or someone you know are in need of therapeutic services, please contact us through our website at www.btstservices.com. And I mean, Chris Simon, this guy is doing so many things. He has a great, all, all these great businesses. He's at Black Swan, one of the hottest restaurants in the city. Actually, one of the highest restaurants in a DMV. And we have him as our guest today. How are you doing today, sir? I'm good, man. How about yourself? Good, man. I, I wanted to do this interview because you and I had a moment. And I said, you didn't tell me about all the other stuff you got going on. Yeah. And how you got to where you are. It was at an, uh, the Earn Your Leisure thing. Yeah, Earn Your Leisure event. And, you know, you're, you're, you're a boss. I like that. You're a boss. Uh, thank you, man. And I want the young people watching this episode to learn and get an understanding that you can do the same thing. You can be the next Chris Simon <laughs> and make it happen. So tell us a little bit about you, you know, the company, that other company that you own. Yeah, so it's funny. We had this conversation that a lot of people, you was like, man, people feel like you just came out of nowhere and then had Black Swan, and it's like now and that's the thing that everybody knows you from, but they don't know, you know, the other stuff that you do or your real anchor companies and stuff like that. And so um, I own a company called BTST Services, uh, which is a behavioral health company, one of the largest private behavioral health companies in the state of Maryland and soon to be across the country. Um, I've owned that, for, I founded that 15 years ago. Uh, so that is my primary thing. Um, I'm the CEO and just like leading the charge with that. Um, you know, we have a real estate portfolio, um, beauty spas, and just other passive investments. Um, 
of things that people may see but not know that we're involved in. I mean, you are a man of many talents. Thanks. I was fortunate enough to go with you on a on a on a tour, and we'll talk, and that will come in the video. But just seeing behind the scenes, of hanging out with you and your day to day business was amazing. I came back home and I took notes. Like this was so impressive how this guy <laughs> runs a tight ship, but his team is equally as good. Yeah. And you talk about that a lot. But let's go back. Let's re let's go back. So, where did you go to college? You you, you you're from here. So tell us a little about where'd you go to college and where did you learn your entrepreneurial spirit? Where did this all come from? Because you got, it has to model from somebody. Yeah, so I'm from East Baltimore, right? So I'm from the Alameda. I grew up on the Alameda. And then at some point, my family moved to Sedonia. Um, but growing up on the Alameda, I went to, uh, I went to, uh, where did I go? Uh, Walter P. Carter, Leaf Walk. Then I went to a private school for a year, Cardinal Sheehan. I was put out of private school, then I went to Heron Run, mm -hmm. and then I went to Hamilton, and then I went to Lake Clifton. So, the Heron Run, Lake Clifton, like are almost synonymous. Like Heron Run is like the middle school version of Lake Clifton as a high school, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's rough. It's the roughest of the roughest, right, man? Like Lake Clifton was, 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 was very difficult school to navigate, right? Like somebody got shot every year at my school it was fights every i mean they used to play jerry springer on the number 22 and five bus on the way home <laughs> like you have to if you from the walk down st low drive mm. like you better walk with a bunch of people or if you walk through the park uh through the golf course man you got the dudes from tavoli coming up like just so it's so good that i knew a few dudes that lived down on um Hoffman road or whatever and so like my boy benson or whatever and we used to sit on his porch and wait for the bus to come and stuff like that but you know, if he wasn't there and you was rolling by yourself, man, it's, it could go it could go very bad for you very fast, right? But, you know, a lot of people always say, man, like, yo, for you to come out of Lake Clifton, you do this, man, you make us proud. Like, no, they, like they kind of, that's a celebratory one, but they also kind of shun you. Like, who would ever think somebody from Lake Clifton would be doing these things? Mm. And it was like, yo, if you actually think about it, I, I could see a lot of people from Lake Clifton doing these things, right? Given the, if the, given the exposure and given the opportunity, because Lake Clifton taught us something that, you know, some of these other more elite public schools or private schools don't teach you, and that's resiliency, right? It teaches you how to navigate, how to be, how to be flexible, how to like problem solve, dissect a problem, and problem solve on the spot, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't get, like you're not when crisis comes. You're settled. You know how to move. You versus somebody else who doesn't have those life experiences. They're a little bit more flustered, and I think that that's, you know. And if you know how to navigate that, those life skills and navigate those circles, once you add the educational value on it and you create some exposure opportunities, and you you'll learn how to navigate those as well. And so it's not as complex. And I think that people undermine the value that a school like that presented, but. Prior to that, asking answering your question about like my um, entrepreneurship spirit, so uh, I know this is not the four-hour podcast, so I'll try to keep it brief. But we, uh, so I first started off drawing, right? So I would draw some artwork and stuff. Like, and if you look on Black Swan's wall, some of the artwork is stuff that I hand draw drew, and that some of my kids hand drew, and mixed with Aaron and Tommy as well, and a lot of the other great artists that is up are up there. But I used to draw in church, like I'd be bored. You know, just sitting there, morning service, afternoon service, and I just start drawing stuff and drawing people. 
Uh, and then my mother, she was an entrepreneur from as long as I ever remember. She had like a few gigs here and there on the side, not on the side, but wasn't very consistent and long because she just had this entrepreneurship spirit. And she basically turned our whole basement, like I didn't have like a family room or anything like that. Our basement was a framing studio mm. in her office, right? So you go down there, you got exacto boards, you got matte boards, you got frames, you got black art from like all these different artists and stuff like that just sitting down there. And so around the holiday season, she would frame art and then take it to like these holiday fairs and sell it. And so she started framing some of my art and selling it there. And I, you know, I was like, oh, wow, I get paid for this. Okay, cool. <laughs> I like this, right? And then fast forward, my grandmother lived off of Hill and Road um, near Mount Pleasant Golf Course. Mm-hmm. And she lived off the back, she lived on the back nine off of 15, off the 15th fairway. So I would jump the fence, just bored. Me and my cousin, chat that you saw here earlier, yeah. we would be planning, playing, playing in the trees, building fake tree houses with no, just with our imagination. We'd be playing baseball with a broomstick and a tennis ball. And then we decide, I decided, like, he wasn't there one day. I jumped the fence, and I saw some golf balls just laying around. I'd go pick them up. i see some dudes coming down the hill in golf court carts trying to sell them golf balls. <laughs> Not knowing that it was their golf ball that I was picking up, right? Because <laughs> it was a blind shot from up the hill, from at the top of the hill, and then the next shot was across the water. So they would get upset with me and selling their golf balls, and but they would hit their next shot in the water. And they weren't getting in the water to get their ball. So I found the opportunity. <laughs> I, found, mm. I would go on the water, get the ball, selling their golf balls. <clears throat> um, and then I also noticed that their clubs were dirty, so I asked could I clean their clubs. But on the 15th hole, nobody really wants their golf clubs clean, right? You're about to be finished. Right. Um, uh, so the the pro came and picked me up from there. I um, was like, dude, you can't do this here. And I was like, all right, I was about to go jump across the fence and go back to my grandmother's house. But he was like, well, listen, how about you come up to the car shed? I'll set you up there and you can wash clubs up there. Mm-hmm. So I was cleaning people's golf clubs, 90 degree, 100 degree days or whatever, and I'll be there all day cleaning clubs. And then the pro actually came back to me. His name is Jim Deck. And he said, yo, have you ever thought about playing golf? And I was like, no. And I was like, I don't have no golf clubs or anything. He was like, I got an old set. He was like, um, there's this practice area down there. Go down there and practice. And come on Saturday, we have this junior program, and you mm. can start playing golf, right? And we'll teach you. So when I got there, Aaron, I used to get to the golf course, 6 a.m. sun up. I would leave 7 p.m. sundown mm. every single day. And I just got so, I just started advancing, becoming very good. I started killing these crushing these dudes Mm -hmm. that were in the junior program to the fact that i was the only black kid in the junior program (laughs) and so they thought i was cheating so i left there and went to forest i mean clifton park which was and i met these black golf association called the paragon and they basically took a liking to me they got me a they became my sponsor they Mm. paid for me to get uh one-on-one training Mm. And they bought me a set of golf clubs. They were knockoffs, but they it was better than what I ever had, right? And they would pay for me to go travel in these tournaments. So me and my dad would get inside of his car and travel to North Carolina all over, and I would just play golf mm. in these tournaments. It sucked because I my dad was with me, and I felt pressure to show and out when he was there that I never won anything uh, like first place when he was around. But um, it was just good experience. But I feel like that created that entrepreneurship experience in me, right? Mm. And then being able to travel created that exposure that I needed to, I had that spirit, and then now seeing people's have the people houses that I went to, these multi-million dollar homes created this aspiration for me. Mm. So I had the fire, now and I had the goal, 
a line and I had to figure out how now I'm gonna bridge that gap and get there. So then I started C-Note Clothing. And I just made a post the other day. People mm-hmm. didn't even know what C-Note meant. Mm-hmm. But it's creating new opportunities to excel. Okay. And so it was an urban clothing store. Um, I used to live in the... Uh, so I went to University of Maryland Eastern Shore for my first college. Mm-hmm. I was fa- majoring in fashion merchandising. First day in the school, they told me how much the people make. I was like, not going to be able to do this. <laughs> <laughs> I love this fashion stuff, but I'm not going to be able to do that, right? right? So I switched to business. Uh, and I kept, I figured like, yo, I could figure the clothes part out. If I get the business part of it, then I'll be all right. Um, so we, uh, I did that. I wound up getting a small business loan for $10,000 from the SBA. I decided I'm going to transfer home. Like, just like, all right. Hold on. How, I'm how old were you when, let's talk about how old were you when you got this small business loan? Ten, I was 10, my sophomore year of college. So you were hustling real hard. Oh, bro, I used to come home on the weekends. <laughs> From Eastern Shore, go meet my manufacturers, go pick up my, go pick up the next order. I would ride through, you know, hit some of the hoods in Baltimore, and then I would come back up to Eastern Shore mm. on Sunday night. So I was in school in Baltimore, just mm. shaking and moving, you know, and building this brand, um, uh, building this brand in Baltimore. People would hit me up all the time, like Northeast Kings, like Muhammad, Boss Man, all of these guys with weird stuff. I had dudes over West Baltimore, like uh, mm. Fulton, like down, down, like down, like in the hood hoods mm. that was requesting it. So I would come home fulfill those orders and go back to school. But when I got this ten thousand dollars from the SBA, uh, see, like one thing with me, man, and I and I and I see it in my kids, and I love it, right? Because you tell them they're like fast starters, like they don't. They come to you more so with a fully organized plan. And they're not relying on you. Hey, can you tell me what time the movie starts? Can you whatever? Figure they out. go look it up. They go see this. Hey, if we leave this time, we need to be here by this time or, or whatever. Like, that's my son and my daughter. She'll go look up her volleyball program. She'll go mm-hmm. do this. The shoes, the date is this. I got to be here this time. Whatever, right? So, they're like, I used to do this. I used to go through the yellow pages trying to find golf tournaments mm. because there's no internet. So, I would call every golf course and find out, hey, do you have a junior program? Do you have any golf tournaments coming up? Or whatever else, and they would send me somewhere else. Like I was always that self-starter. Um, so I did the same thing with C Note. I called the SBA, I called these different programs, find out how you apply, all this other stuff. Um, so I applied, got ten thousand dollars. I told this story before, but I spent ninety one hundred dollars on uh, clothing and nine hundred dollars on a van from the police repossession auction. <laughs> and then I used to take that van, drive through every dope strip, every hood, every. People weren't really outside in the county like that, so I didn't need to <laughs> drive around in the county like that. Right. I would just make a few phone calls, but I would uh, drive around selling this clothes out the trunk of our car. Mm. Then I got a store inside of a Bell's Bombing on, on Fortin Riggs and uh, at the line because that was our demographic. Uh, so people would come in to bail, get bells and they'd need to buy clothes when people got out of jail. Mm. So they would buy some stuff there. Um, and by that time, I, I haven't lived with, my, I live in, live with my parents since 17. Mm-hmm. I'm 40, right? right? Never one, maybe one day I slept overnight there since, right? Mm. And uh, but I lived in like the back of the C Note store. Like when I say the back of the store, I mean like there was a room inside of the back of the store that had a half bath. I lived inside of that room, mm. take bird baths and everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Getting ready, and then I. But here's the thing: I would live in the store, work at the store. Go to Morgan for my for my graduate degree, and then I also started seeing clients and working overnights at group homes because the store sometimes gets slow. Now by this time we had a store on York Road and Cold Spring and one on Fort I mean on North and Monroe. So I had two stores, but things were slow. 
I started working at a group homes and working as a mentoring program. And I really developed a passion for it. And from there, I just was able to identify the holes in service delivery um, that I felt like some of the providers were they had and took this as an opportunity to launch um, BTS. Now, another thing, you, I, I remember you saying this also, because again, you, it was a, I'm glad you invited me to this event because it was like, we got to do another episode because I told you that. We got to do another episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, were, you graduated with a social work master's? Yeah, master's in social work. Yep, yeah. so I, I remember that and I, I was like, well, this that's when same, I, this is the same guy that's so again. I want this vision like where people see you just like, okay, oh, oh, we didn't know this. Like, then this is how I'm yes. excited to do this interview because so at that time when I was working at my, I had my <clears throat> store in York Road and Cold Spring, mm -hmm. we was the store was doing well, but like I said, I started working at a group home on the side, right? And I really de developed a passion for it, and then um, I wound up starting BT. I was working at a non public school, first job, real job I ever had. I was a teacher assistant there, and I was working with the basketball team and stuff. And I was only there probably for like eight months, right? Okay. And um, one of my boys, we used to work at multiple organizations. He came to me like, yo, dog, they got this place, Maryland Choices are giving out contracts for individual providers, like how the organizations that we work, but you they, you don't have to go through them now, and they can work directly with you. Mm. Yo, you should go. we should go do it. He's like, I'm going to go do it. And I was like... That's cool. <laughs> However, I'm only one person. I need, and I was already thinking about scale. I didn't know the word scaled in and everything right. else. But I'm thinking like, man, if I can go in as a provider, then I can have multiple people work for me, and I can get more clients, and I can grow this business in a more expeditious way. Um, so that's what I did. And he wound up coming to work for me as my first as one of my employees, a part of that program. But. Um, uh, where was I going with that? So while I was doing it, when I first started BTSC during that time, uh, my mother became my first employee because uh, I needed somebody to work with the girls. Mm -hmm. And then she also had, had some admin stuff, did some admin stuff, and I was the male mentor. And so I was working with all the, all the boy clients. And we had an office right up here on York Road and Cold Spring, I mean, York, I mean uh, St. Paul and 25th down in the basement. I don't know how I convinced this guy to give me a lease to <laughs> think that I was credit worthy or whatever else, but I, he's a blessing, and I, and I thank him for that. But, I mean, I guess I had money from working all these part-time gigs right. or whatever else. And then one day I went into the school, and I was like, Ms. Why, I have this program. It's doing great. I finally made enough to replace my salary. And at that time, I was making $30,500, right? Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I finally made enough money. I can replace my salary, but I'm scared. She was like, either you either you get out of here or I'm going to fire you. Mm. Either you resign or I'm going to fire you because you're too big to be here. You got so much in store for yourself that I don't even want to keep you here, right? And I was like, man, all right. So I left. She gave me my first contract with my company to come and be the provider for one-on-one -on -one services mm -hmm. at that school, right? And then I wound up passing it down to one of my other staff when I um, when my company continued to grow in other capacity. But so now I'm living life, right? I'm like, I got my own business. I'm doing this. And then all my boys started going back for that master's degree. Right. And then my boy James, he came to me and said, Chris, you need to get your master's. I was like, man, what am I going to get my master's for? I make more than the teachers. Like, what they going to tell? What they going? Right. Like, you can't tell me nothing, right? Right, right. And so um, he was like, dog, you're nothing without those letters behind your name. Mm. And I was like, yeah, whatever. So... I was like, all right, cool. I'll, I'll take a stab at it. I, so I went and got my master's degree, and that was the most enlightening experience that I had, really. It really taught me about the work that I was doing and gave me credibility and education 
clinical education for the work that we're doing that, you know, that we've been able to continue to grow and scale today. That's, uh, and that's what I really wanted to hear because I wanted to hear how this all transpired. Yeah. And I really think the audience, when they listen to this and see it, they're going to be like, oh, okay, because right now you're dropping jewels and gems right now. Uh, People, because think about it, you were like, why do I really want to get a master's? Why? Yeah. Why? But now you know why. For me, it was very important. Like, I didn't, one of the best, well, one of the best classes I took at Morgan was human behavior, right? Yeah. Um, because, and I said this on the Earn Your Leisure podcast, it's like, if you learn business, you learn human behavior. Those are two things that go well together mm-hmm. because you can create businesses off of human behavior, right? You can identify what the needs are and what people need to feel and the experience need to be. And so you create a business model around that, or you create this business model and you create a marketing plan to reach people based on, you know, your understanding of psychology and their human behavior or whatever else like that, right? So, and it's the way employees feel, it's the way, you know, the way your staff feel, the way your your your, your clients feel, the way your customers feel, you know, all of that stuff, you know? So I think that that, and then I took psychopathology and chemical dependency, so you understand how the way the brain works mm. and all that other stuff, so... You know, all of those things, you know, understand social settings and stuff like that. And, you know, I think that was very important. So we, we've got the master degree. we got the business. Where does the, where does the name come from for your business right now? Where does that come from? What is the stamp? Like, where did that come from, like, from the beginning? Yeah, so um, I was big into those, uh, I believe it's called synonyms. Yeah, so I was, uh, no, acronyms. acronyms yeah, yeah, I was acronyms. big on acronyms, so. C note, creating new opportunities to excel, right? right? So I'm like, I need something kind of like this. And I was going through a rough patch of my life at the moment. My daughter was just born. Uh, I was, you know, I was just, uh, I was not in a relationship anymore, trying to navigate fatherhood and everything else. And just, um, just, you know, I was, I had this apartment I was just working in effortless, I mean, long days or whatever else. And I just knew that I wanted to create a good program. I created this deck or whatever else. And, you know, just... I was like isolated a bit, right, mm-hmm. from my friends, and I just was like working. Um, and then I was like, you know, you know, I was in like uh, today, like how can we improve today? What I'm feeling today, mm-hmm. and how can we improve the experiences that we're going today? Like, when does this happen? Like, when is things going to shape? Well, only thing you can you can't change your past, you can change your future. And how do you change? When do you change the future? When you're in the future, or do you do it today? Mm. So you change the future today. So a better tomorrow starts today. Mm. So whatever we want to improve and see the improvement of tomorrow, we got to start doing the work today. Mm-hmm. And that's why if you look at our arrows, like it shows a better the tomorrow has the arrow up here, and today it's back here. Like the work goes like this, you know. Mm. And so I created that logo on a power on PowerPoint with some graph charts and everything else like that some flow charts and some big new romans time no, no bold ariel <laughs> whatever it is and my marketing team now is like dude can we um can we change this i'm like absolutely not i remember i was in we were, we were in the van and yeah talking absolutely about not logo. no we have brand integrity with that's our brand you know nike imagine i'm trying to reverse the direction of the swoosh yeah what makes it's sense. not it's not happening it's not the right it's not gonna happen you know what i'm saying so and <clears> we did that that was so it's a blessing and like 15 years later you know, we grew from my mother as my first employee to we're approaching um, three, four hundred, three hundred employees or whatever. And through some expansion stuff that we're doing, we're going to be even larger very soon. And folks, hold that, hold that thought because we're going to talk about that. Uh, I learned so much riding with him and talking about the, the company and whatnot, even meeting his amazing employees. That blew me away. Uh, we'll be right back at these messages. <laughs>
are going to the celebration, as you guys know, the 10 year anniversary where we will be celebrating the great work of EY. And folks, we're back with the CEO of BTSD, Mr. Chris Simon. How are you? Good, good, man. Good. Again, I, thank you for this. No, I, I wanted to do this. Again, when we did that Earn Your Leisure interview, I was like, nah, we, we got to run this back because yeah. it was very important to me. I want people to know my audience who learn about the person who's really doing other things beside the black swan yeah. and what you're doing with mental health. Yeah. That is so important. Behavioral health, that is all important. We walk the whole facility. It's beautiful here, man. Thank you. It felt like, you know, really a place where people who, you know, come for help and it's a warming and it's just covering your staff really nice felt like family yeah and that's our goal here is to you know a lot of times first of all there's a stigma related to mental health right yes. so it's not like you're just running towards <clears throat> treatment and running towards uh just to talk about and seek help right you, you're almost like uh, i don't want nobody to know this right. or you don't even know because for so minute for so long you've normalized it mm -hmm. and the information wasn't there right but now when you do, do you want to go to a place that looks janky and it looks bad? You know, like, I, I doubt that any woman wants to go to see their OBGYN in some trashy place, right? right. So why would we want to help some, have somebody come? If, if you're already talking about we're coming to treat mental health, so mentally you got to be prepared and you're assessing this place. We got to make sure that you're in that right place mentally to come in and have this conversation, right? And, and we want to treat you with dignity and respect because... A larger portion of our population that we service is Medicaid clients, right? Mm -hmm. And they, they have Medicaid insurance, which Medicaid sometimes is, majority of the time, m means that, you know, it's from a, there is some, you know, a low social economic uh, situation. Um, doesn't mean anything wrong with you, bad about you, that you're less than or whatever. But a lot of times providers treat individuals differently than they would treat somebody that would be a celebrity or mm -hmm. have a lot of wealth or something like that. And we want to make sure that we treat everybody with dignity and respect, right? So we want to design these offices to make you feel like you're on Rodeo Drive or you're Beverly Hills going to see your therapist. Mm -hmm. And you could be coming from you could be coming from Old York and Cater. But we want to make you feel like you're 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 living this elite luxury life and that treatment is is about positivity that you're gonna you're coming to gain something you want to feel in a place that makes you feel good so we want to design all of our places like that and we want to have our staff that work in these places feel that same way right and that be one committed to the mission that we're doing but how do you be committed to the mission you're doing you love the work you're doing you love the place you work at so we want to make sure that that place is representative and inspiring for them as well and I, that's why i was glad you were able to come to so you were able to see uh, pre-construction place, right. post-construction place, right. and then now you're able to see this place that is like fully, that has always been fully done. This location we're going to look at now, um, we saw a few locations. One of the relatives just emailed us back and said that the original location that we like uh, wants to negotiate now. Mm. But they, they listed it at one price, and then when we got there and we expressed some interest, they were like, oh, well, it's this price because of the build out and stuff like that. And they should they typically give you some tenant improvement, um, but they jacked the price up a bit. And so now we started seeing these other spaces, they emailed us back. But basically this space that we went at, like today was Excel Youth, right? Mm -hmm. So Excel Youth exists in Frederick, like I said, but then we'll have the full clinic in Frederick as well. So we wanted to find a space that was far enough away from Excel Youth 
um, but still had a very nice presence for BTSD that was on like a bus line and a bunch of access to transportation um, and was like in the heart of like where our clients exist. You know, one thing I recognize that you had a lot of powerful women in place. Mm-hmm. Was that very important? Was that intentional? Um, yes, in yes. Very important spots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in this field of social work and behavioral health, you find that men are the lead. There's more. The field is dominated by women. Okay. But men rise to the top faster, right? Because I guess it's just a position of, like, they're they're being seen as leaders, right? Or mm. women in the field of social work, typically, they not typically, you find that at times they get into it because they just want to help, right? They, that's, that, that's that maternal instinct already, right? And then a lot of them also are coming to improve a story that has happened in their lives in some capacity, right? So they're thinking about it from the help perspective, not from the business perspective. Mm. So you get a lot of guys that get in it and they think about it from the business perspective and they build their leadership teams mm. of people that are representative of two that seem like they could do business, right? For us, we built, we want a team with the best people, period. Whatever position we were hiring for, we just want the best person, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever their gender is, whatever their color is, anything else like that, it doesn't matter. We want the best person for the job. Um, but it was very strategic about, hey, listen, these, these women are beasts, man. And somebody else may feel intimidated by this many women in positions of power or be able to, you know, speak to power, right? Speak truth to power or whatever. Me, I love it, right? I, I want I want to see them shine. I want us to be the break the norm of how women are viewed in this in this role and put them in positions to exceed in the business, but also ex- succeed in life, man. Mm. Create opportunities for themselves, you know, <clears throat> outside of outside outside of the workplace. So, and they're they're smart, man. Like sharp people. You you've seen I, them. I, hey, I was there. I was sitting there. I was listening to. I was like, you know. You're listening to every word they say. Yeah, and that, and that, and I mean, I can't remember the, the young lady's name who was walking side by side with you, and you guys are going through the design. Ashley, stage. Ashley, blown away because yeah. I remember we talked about it, and she was just walking around like this is what we want. This, and it was like cool. She saw the vision that exactly. you. And we're not hiring women just because oh we want to seem like a progressive place that that is woman focused. Right. No, we're hiring women because they're sharp. Right. You know, and so like Ashley, she. Uh, started off, she came to us, she was a therapist, and then she came over and became a rehab specialist, an area director, then she came, insert three more titles, and then she's now the director of program development. So mm. every new program we build out, every new office we build out, every new service line that we do, she's in charge of that. She just she just lined us up four school contracts, Baltimore City, Baltimore County, Charles County, and PG County, mm. within a four-month time span. She's killing it right now. Mm. <clears throat> um but she didn't want. She just wanted to do program development, mm-hmm. and I'm like Ashley, you can't build programs unless you build the home for them, the foundation for them. So I had to teach her to. I, I work. We work together to that she can learn the, the business part of it, how to negotiate a lease, how to identify square footage, how to you know think about construction, renovation, and see through it. We could take Ashley to a place before she couldn't see through it. Now she's like, if you knock down this wall right here, is this low bearing? Is this this this? We can rerun electric drop. Um, Drop the uh, cat six in here. Do such 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 such, and then she can cost out of office within ten minutes. You know, like she's 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 a beast like that. So, you know, but again, you got to continue. So in areas where you see it in people, you got to train it and grow it. But then other areas like compliance, 
You know, I, I can't hold the light to Ashley as it relates to compliance. <laughs> she knows more. That's the that's the goal. Hire people that know more in these specific areas than you do, and then you find a way to like bring it together and put the right people in the room so that you can organize the business and grow it. Now, and that's where we are in growth stage. Now, how many how many offices did you start from the beginning, and where are you now? So we started off <clears throat> um, with one office. We were our first office was in the World Trade Center building in Prince George's County. <clears throat> then we started our second office and uh, Baltimore down across from Shot Tower. And then we moved to York Road, uh, 5800 York Road. And then we went through this. And I went through a very tough period. Did we talk about that when the company tried to take me out? No, we didn't, we didn't get into a lot. We didn't How much it. time we got? We got <laughs> <laughs> that could be that. Could, but go on. So this road has not been all peaches and... Peaches I was about to say peaches no. and cream, but I didn't want to sound like 112, right? <laughs> but... It wasn't. It just hasn't all been flowers, right? There's been a lot of thorns on along this road, or whatever else. Like the company that we were partnering with, they did clinic, we did PRP. Mm. This company literally tried to take us out. Mm. That was their words. They're going to start their own PRP program and take us out, and they was responsible for like ninety eight percent of our referrals. Mm. So literally, we're at a threat. We're like we're like this company is trying to take us out, mm. and I was comfortable being a PRP, and and I won't belabor on the long story of this. But a few months prior, I had met somebody named Jada McCray, who you who yeah. you know and who you know special alert maybe having dropping something soon at one point. <laughs> um, but um, she came to me and was like, "Yo, why don't you have a clinic? We work together." She was a referral source for me. I helped her. I mean, I provided services for clients and um, and a company she was working for. I was like, "I don't know. If the opportunity presents, I'll give you a call. Maybe we should do this together." So when they try to take me out, I hop on the horn and like, "Jada, what are you trying to do?" She was like, let's go. And it's been like, let's go ever since. Mm. And so we worked together. We scaled. We developed a clinic. I mean, we work 16 to 18 hour days. You know, I'm like, it's ripping apart your family at times because like you're not available because you're really trying to grow this program and you got to fend off this threat. And so, man, literally, I had to open a separate office in PG, a separate office in Baltimore. They charged me hundreds of thousand dollars to buy myself out of these leases and penalties. They thought what they were going to do was smother me in fees and penalties Mm -hmm. that I couldn't afford to succeed anymore. But literally did they know I was very fiscally conservative in my savings and I was able to pay these things and I worked extra hard to continue to grow grow and earn revenue during this time. I mean, like I I mentioned all this and other stuff before, so I don't want to keep giving you... I drained my bank account significantly and that and during that time, my wife just had my second son or whatever else. So we were like in a tough place. And, you know, I, we just we we fought our way back, you know. So I remember was it she took her 401k. This was this was previous. This Pre- was, okay. that was that was that was prior. OK. And I want to clarify that because <laughs> people were like, yo, you just wasn't married. We were married and my company was already doing well. We had a lot of people that owed that owed me money in AR because I wasn't tracking my AR at the time. Uh-huh. This is before we were a licensed mental health clinic. Right. But I needed I needed to show proof of funds uh, that, that a significant amount of money to um to be able to get licensed to become a licensed PRP provider right. at the time. And I, you know, I had some, but I didn't have enough to show. So I needed her 401k to show the difference <laughs> until I got the money back from the people that owed me money. I mean, I, that's love. That's real love. Yeah, it's love. That's real love. Yeah, right it is. There. And listen, man, it's that's real love right there. Teamwork make the dream work, man. Shout and you know, wife. like you know, you understand how people are placing your life 
for for such amazing reasons. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like sometimes you're like too immature and too as as a young man to understand the value that God gave you in this person, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it's not just like, hey, this is just the mother of your child. This is your this is your partner. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. This is your spouse, and you you guys ride the highs and lows together. You know what I'm saying? Um, but they made me pay myself out all of these leases and everything mm. like that. And then I needed to build out this place. And this place cost me like four or $500,000 to build out. So literally, you know, we're, we're like at a couple hundred, I mean, we're like a couple hundred dollars, whatever. And then revenue started coming in slow people, you know, so it was a very tedious time, man. And we dug in, we developed policy, we developed system and we were able to scale this. So then, so we had Baltimore, then we grew to, Prince George's County on our own. Then we grew to Frederick County. Then we grew to Washington County. And now we're in the process of growing to four, uh, a few more counties now. What did you learn about yourself during that process? That, that's that Lake Clifton resiliency that I was okay. telling you about, okay. right? That Lake Clifton resiliency, some people would have folded. Right. I mean, prior to that, when, when I first, when I told you the Maryland Choices, they lost their contract then. They lost their contract years ago, mm-hmm. right? We're 15 years in. They lost their contract years ago, and nobody. Right. A lot of companies in Baltimore closed. Right. I decided to follow them to to Montgomery County. I've never been to Montgomery County a day in my life, <laughs> but I decided to follow them to Montgomery County to um, provide services there. I had no office there or anything else, right? So I started doing interviews in the back of Barnes and Noble, mm. and I convinced people that I had this program that was <clears throat> great, and we were going to crush it in Montgomery County. I had nothing to show for. But they, I, I had passion, and I think people saw that. So this isn't the first time that I had to navigate a door closing. Right, right now, we we pray to God, and we thank God for every closed door because mm. it keeps us from being somewhere that we didn't need to be, right? Mm. People always want to celebrate, oh, thank you, God, for opening these doors. Thank him for closing those doors as well because in those closing those doors, he's keeping you from being somewhere, and he's also teaching you something that you need to grow and that you need that you need to grow. And then closing that door about not wanting to be our referral partner anymore and Whatever I needed to grow. There's no way that I would be at. Thank you for this alley oop. There's no way I would be at this acquisition period uh, prior to if I would have stayed with them. You know what I'm saying? And now we're built to scale. I mean, we're bigger than them now. The company that tried to take us out, and we're built to scale now. And now we have a platform and an opportunity to grow across the nation. I couldn't be that person only providing that supplemental service. So is this where you're now yeah, going you, to ask me? We're gonna go. We're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about it. That's my acquisitions happening. I'm glad that's where, that's where I was trying to lead the path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Acquisitions. Tell us a little bit about that. I've seen you traveling. Uh, you told me you're in Boston. You've been everywhere mm-hmm. learning. Tell us about this company that, acquis- that that you know you guys are working with now, and how has that helped you guys even more? So, um, uh, it's it's been a blessing, right? Were uh, you nervous? Y- yes. Yeah, yeah, I was nervous, right? I don't know anything about an acquisition and right. somebody wanting to buy my company right. or partner with us to help us grow, right? You hear all stories about stories about like corporate takeover raids. I mean, now this is where my edu- my late Clifton education didn't best support me because right. I don't know these things, right? right? But what I do know is instincts, and they taught me, and it taught me instincts and understanding how things work and how to move and whatever else, right? So I'm looking at the one company. One company approached us about trying to buy us, right? Mm-hmm. And they were they're a platform company. They want us to be an add-on, which means that they're the primary company and they want to swallow they want us to join their platform. Mm-hmm. Which is not a problem because that's what my goal is now to convince and to help people see the value of joining our company and being a part of our platform, right? But for me, 
I just wanted to know when they offered me an evaluation. I mean, uh, not an evaluation. When they offered me, when they told me what my evaluation was, right. how do you get this number? Right. Help me back into this number because it's not bad, but I think that I'm worth more. Correct. And I need to know how you evaluate. I mean, how you evaluate? How are you? How are you coming up with this valuation? They really couldn't tell me. So I called one of my buddies. I had just got a place in Miami. Mm. I called one of my buddies in this great building, right? And that's the importance about putting yourself in the right circles, man. Mm -hmm. You meet people who just who can change your life through their network and resources. He called, in short, he called a banker. He put me with this banker who manages uh, behavioral health companies in the space to help him run a formal process. And these aren't bankers like, hey, they're providing me uh, like PNC or, or Bank of America. These are like bankers that take you out to the market and help represent your company in mm. a deal or whatever. So they took us out and we met this company, Webster. They're like, we had four or five companies lined up, right? And I was talking to Jada, talking to our families and stuff like that. And we were like, this one company, we would have been a great add-on for them. They had just done like 20 deals or whatever else. And it would have been like, oh, that's great. We can join them. They know behavioral health. So the things that we don't know, we can go to them for. Mm -hmm. We don't have to spitball it no more or use our best judgment. We can just ask them, right? But that was cool. But this other company, Webster, was offering us the ability to be them, right? And so, mm. do I want to? Do I want to be added on, or do I want to become them? Mm. And because when I become them, then I can control how we grow, right? And I can now utilize the relationships I have to put these other companies and providers and places to succeed because I can control it instead of them being, you know, me being subject to how these people want to grow and maybe not being able to offer. Um, great solutions and outcomes and opportunities for other behavioral health providers that I know or just people who I might not know but we want to grow this company. So we decided to go with them and their biggest thing was you guys do behavioral health. You do behavioral health. We're not coming to run your company. You are our partner, right? Mm. So we weren't like fully acquired. Like we still, I still own, we still own BTFT. We just now have a capital partner who comes in and it provides us, cap, provides us access to capital that allows us to now go out and do some M&A strategies, right? Mm. For us to buy other companies to add on to our platform um, and for us to have, you know, access to capital for us to do de novo growth. De novo oh. growth is like us opening new offices and stuff like that. Before, when we had to open new offices, you know, that was less of a distribution I was getting for the next five months because I'm taking that money and putting it in there versus right. coming home. Now we have... You know, we have a, a we have a good amount of money that we can go and open offices and, you know, provide a slower ramp up period and allow it to grow. But I told them, I don't need no more. I don't need a slow ramp up period. I need we're going to open this office. We're going to we're going to have it. We're going to have it clocking and doing well from day one. Right. Like, I don't operate with this slow ramp up period because at one, there's a need if we're already coming there. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a need. Clients need us. The services need the uh, people need us to provide these services and staff want to work with us. Right. So. By the time we're coming with a model that we want to improve these communities, not tomorrow, but today. So we're not going to spin our wheels. We're not going to take this slow. We're coming to provide impact immediately. Um, so they basically provide us capital to be able to do that. And Webster just had a fund that they raised over $2 billion for that we have access to that now when we go see another company that is like we have a company that we have under LOI right now that I'm very excited about that we should be closing within the next three weeks. Mm. I mean, we'll, we, you know, we'll have another announcement podcast, but we're going to be able to directly, uh, we're going to be able to have a lot of impact. Um, 
because now they're in different counties that we weren't in before. Mm -hmm. So we'll be able to expand into those counties and we're going to be able to create these efficiencies for them. So somebody's like, why should a company partner with you guys or allow you guys to buy them or join your platform? It's a lot of ego with people at times. They're like, man, I ain't Mm -hmm. about to sell to Chris or come join his team. But if they, the biggest thing is understanding this, right? You're movement by yourself, but we're forced together, right? Facts. So, you know, University of Maryland didn't get that big just by, I mean, but they're a state institution. But Shepard Pratt and all these other places, they acquire other companies to add additional service lines and to add buy practices to gain access to counties that they weren't in before. And because they strategically, you know, that's a part of their strategic goal. And it benefits Shepard Pratt. The opportunity that we're offering benefits us and these other business owners, right? Because we're able to provide efficiencies and back office. So a lot of these providers sometimes are mom and and I, and I use the word mom and pop carefully because a company called me that company that tried to take me out called me a mom and pop. Oh wow! Now I'm just looking like pop. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Moving on up. Moving yeah, yeah, I'm on looking up. like I pop like now. That. Right? I like that. So, but then we're providing these opportunities for these smaller businesses that don't know how to scale don't have the back office support, don't know the best, don't have access to best practices and stuff like that, we're able to provide, take our platform and bring this education, this knowledge to them and take this stuff off of their plate so they can focus on service delivery, right? Mm -hmm. We're able to provide them access to capital, right? So they can get a liquidity event now, but then they can also roll equity into the deal so that now they're invested and they own a part of this company as well. So my success is their success, their success is my success, and we're working collaboratively to grow all of our brands. And then you don't have to become a BTST company. Mm-hmm. You it may be a program of BTST, right? Yeah. But you don't have to change your name because some these people, this is their this is their dream, this mm-hmm. is their legacy, and we don't want to come disrupt that. We just want to come support that. Mm-hmm. So you continue to operate your company, right? You continue to have that name. But on the back office, we're going to create these accounting efficiencies, payroll efficiencies, billing efficiencies, all of this stuff, access to care, marketing, all of this stuff. And so now we have grown and become this huge program that is across the state of Maryland that is a respectable program. Now you can go have conversations with insurance payers like, hey, we're providing this and we're seeing this and our clients need this. So now it puts us in a better position to advocate for the things that our clients need. If we come just as a provide as a small provider and say, "Hey, our clients really need this service line. Hey, we need more funding for this." Who are we? Mm-hmm. But now, if we come as an institution, they have to listen to us. I love it. I love it. And we, also, when you join a private equity firm, you get you get board members who are responsible for opening these type of doors for you. So yesterday, like I was in Boston, uh, I was in LA the day before. I was visiting another one of their companies that does over two hundred seventy million dollars in revenue. <laughs> they have so many employees. They're just making tremendous impact. Mm. And when I went to see them, I learned so much. And I was I was going to see them so that I can learn how to, you know, their practices and stuff. But I wound up telling them our practices. And what we have to understand as a community, and you asked me, was I nervous? I was. But when we realized that we are enough, we were enough to, to speak the interests of these people. That means that we were doing things good enough so we don't have to question who we are, right? Mm. And we can't be <clears throat> ignorant to who we are and what we don't know and not look to improve. Um, but my board members now, their roles are to open doors that I couldn't get in before. Right. I have Patrick Kennedy wow. on my board. Does that na- last name sound familiar? Sounds familiar. So if it's one, of the, one, of, one of the big families in the United States. JFK's America. nephew, yes. Patrick Kennedy, is on my board. 
Patrick was responsible for the introducing the Healthcare Disparity Act, which means that you cannot te- you can't treat a behavioral health provide. I mean, people that are receiving behavioral health services differently than people that are receiving physical health services. Right, I love that. So he's making access to care. You have to treat it the same way you treat that other thing. Mm-hmm. This guy's on my board. Mm. So if we need legal legislation help, if we need just organizational help, all of this other stuff, I have access to all of these type of individuals on my board. Mm. Like, why? In Baltimore, we don't get that type of access. We don't. So now it's my goal and my and it's my it's my mission and my goal to take this access that I've been given, and this opportunity and access to capital knowledge and bring it back to Baltimore so that we can impact our communities in a more robust way and help these individual these providers who've been slaving away to try to impact these communities. Let me make it easier for you. Let me help you. Let's scale this thing so that we can better treat our individuals and families. And you just led us into our great segue for part two. Because we're going to talk about the effects of the community and, and, what, a lot of the and what you guys work, are doing yeah. in the community. Yeah. And talk about the, the impact of certain was it the um, schools that you work yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll talk a little bit about that and the holiday giveaway. Yeah. So folks, you stay tuned and we'll be back to be continuing with part two.